Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our contemplation this morning is the Epistle Lesson, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 and 11 through 6. We read again in Jesus' name. As a prisoner in the Lord, therefore, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Live with all humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called into the one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in us all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of the gift from Christ. He himself gave the apostles, as well as the prophets, as well as the evangelists, as well as the pastors and teachers, for the purpose of training the saints for the work of serving, in order to build up the body of Christ. This is to continue until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, resulting in a mature man with a stature reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ. The goal is that we would no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. When people use tricks and invent clever ways to lead us astray. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we would in all things grow up into Christ who is the head. From Him the whole body, being joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows in accordance with Christ's activity when He measured out each individual part. He causes the growth of the body so that it builds itself up in love. These are the words of our text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have come to your house to be built up in our faith. Point us to Jesus and reassure us that through him our sins are forgiven. Pour your spirit upon us and strengthen us in that faith that we may be united with you and with one another through him. Sanctify us then by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In Christ Jesus, who lived a perfect life and died an innocent death, so that we could be one with him, the Father and the Spirit, dear fellow redeemed. The psalmist says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. What is the basis of such unity? In 1917, the old Norwegian synod and the United Norwegian Lutheran Church, along with the Hauge Synod, united, they merged to form a larger church body called the Evangelical Lutheran Church. 
that merger, that unity was not God-pleasing. It was not based on the truth of God's Word. It was based on compromise. They agreed to disagree about what God's Word actually said. That sinful union caused the formation of what is now called the Evangelical Lutheran Synod. You are heirs of those 13 pastors and congregations who took a stand on God's Word and would not be moved from it. You are the fruit of their stand. You are their spiritual children. And you enjoy the benefits of them standing firmly on God's Word. As the Evangelical Lutheran Synod, we are united in Christ to be one body. We are joined together. We are built up. It can be difficult to be joined together with other sinners. <clears throat> no wonder Paul urges us, live with all humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Walking together with fellow believers is difficult. In many ways, it's, try, it's like trying to run a three-legged race. Every year at Camp Indian Head, during the Olympics, one event is the three-legged race. Two of the campers have their legs tied together with a rope. And they have to run up and around a, a marker and then back. It's difficult. It's very easy for those two campers to get out of step with one another. In fact, sometimes they're pulling so hard on the rope, so out of sync with one another that the rope comes undone. However, some of them master it. They learn to sink their steps together and to move with one another. Often they're even talking to each other. One, two, one, two. It's difficult, but possible. So too, walking together as believers in a church body is difficult, but possible. If it was easy, Paul wouldn't have had to urge us and encourage us to make every effort. But it is possible. Paul hammers home the unity that we possess by faith in Jesus. He said, there is one body and one spirit. Just as also you were called in the one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in us all. So let us look at some of these unifying factors. The first is, Paul says, one body. 
When Paul speaks this way, he is speaking of what we call the una sancta, the one church. Everyone who believes in Jesus, who has true faith in Jesus, worked by the one spirit, is a member of that church. The una sancta is an invisible gathering of believers. It's invisible because faith is in the heart and we can't see into the heart. We can't see the una sancta, the one church. But God can. The Lord knows those who are His. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, Paul continues. He is speaking, <clears throat> excuse me, and this brings out the intimate connection that Jesus has with the members of this church. These people, these members of this one church, believe that there is one name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And that name is Jesus. He is the Lord of the church. But He is also its Savior. He gave Himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word. Jesus comes to us in the waters of baptism and washes away all of our sins. When He washed you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that's what He was doing. He was taking away all of your guilt and connecting you to Himself so that you are now a forgiven member of His body, the church. This connection with Jesus is so intimate and close that God actually lives in the believer. Paul says, One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in us all. This is the unity that all believers in Christ enjoy and experience with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are united in Christ to be one body. We are joined together. Unfortunately, though, false teaching divides God's church. It brings division and creates what we call visible churches, denominations. Paul was speaking of this when he said, <clears throat> The goal is that we would no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, when people use tricks and invent clever ways to lead us astray. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we would in all things grow up into Christ who is the head. He also wrote to Timothy, The time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. 
Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a large number of men to tell them, excuse me, teachers, to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to mess. The visible church on earth is going to be divided because of false teaching. That makes the visible churches very important. God wants us to join together with those who believe the same as we do. What a blessing we have then in our Evangelical Lutheran Synod. That we are united in Christ and in our doctrine and practice. We agree on what the Bible teaches. And our agreement holds us together. So we are united in Christ to be one body. We are joined together. We are also built up. Paul used the image of a body to explain the oneness of the church. Just as a body is a unit, so is the church a unit. But Paul also used the image of a body to explain the function of the church. That is, the working of the individual parts in the body. He said this, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we would all grow up into Christ who is the head. From Him the whole body being joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows in accordance with Christ's activity when he measured out each individual part. He causes the growth of the body so that it builds up in love. The church is one body, but its members are unique and play in a unique function within that body. When we look at our own human bodies, we're amazed. Just consider for a moment, for me to open and close my hand, my brain has to send a message down my spinal cord to the nerves that run out to my arm, and the muscles have to receive that message to be able to contract and release. But for my muscles to move, they have to have energy. For them to have to have, to have energy, I've got to eat and drink, swallow stuff that my stomach can digest and it can transfer that food and energy into my blood and then my heart has to pump that blood around to the muscles so that it can have energy to open and close my hand. But my muscles also need oxygen. So my lungs have to take in air and transfer the oxygen from the air into my blood so that the blood that the heart is pumping to my muscles is also full of oxygen. All that simply to be able to open and close my hand. Every part of the body is essential for the proper functioning of the body. That's the very point that God is making through Paul. Yes, we are one. We are united. 
but we are all different. We have each been given a different measure of grace, a different gift from God. But all of us are to function for the good of the rest of the body. There is not one part of your body that is in your body for its own benefit alone. Neither is any part of the body of Christ in his body for its benefit alone. You are here to serve one another. You are here to use the gifts that God has given you for the building up of the whole body. When any part of the body suffers, all the parts of the body suffer. When a Christian decides not to play his role in the body, it doesn't just impact him. It impacts everyone. Now, God has given special roles to some members of the body to help you be equipped for this work of service. Paul draws them out when he says, He himself gave the apostles as well as the prophets, as well as the evangelists, as well as the pastors and teachers for the purpose of training the saints for the work of serving in order to build up the body of Christ. Sometimes Christians can have the false notion that pastors and teachers are there to serve them, and that's it. And that they are the ones that need to do the work of the church. Notice what Paul said. Pastors and teachers are given to the church, to the body, to equip the members of the body to be able to serve the body. It's not just pastor's work. It's your work. God has given us these public ministers so that we can be equipped. My role is to equip you to serve the body of Christ. Now, to serve in Christ's body primarily, firstly, you need to have faith in Jesus. Your faith needs to be strong and firm. So my primary task is always to point you to Jesus. Always to point you to what he has done and to build your knowledge of the Son of God so that you would grow into a mature Christian understanding that your sins are forgiven. That one day, because Jesus lived a perfect life and died an innocent death, God's going to take you to be with him in heaven. That's the primary role of pastors and teachers in, in the church. To point you to Jesus. But it doesn't end there. Pastors and teachers also have to point you to how you are to serve the body. We could sum that up in one simple word. Love. 
But the details of what that word means for our daily lives can be complex and varied depending on the callings and vocations that we have. But the Ten Commandments are a useful tool for us to learn how we're to serve one another. The Ten Commandments teach us how to love God and our neighbor. And so as we carry out our vocations as husband and wife, mom and dad, daughter and son, neighbor, whatever it may be, we can look to those commandments and see that's how God wants me to function. And so God has guided us through his word. He wants pastors and teachers to proclaim his word to the body so that they can hear it, believe it, and do it. So we are united in Christ to be one body. We are built up because God proclaims his word to us so that we can build others up. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. We are united in Christ. Jesus lived the perfect life, died an innocent death, washed our sins away in the waters of baptism so that we are his. He is intimately connected to us and made us part of himself. We are united in Christ to be one body. We are joined together. We are built up. God grant that we make every effort to maintain this unity of the Spirit. God grant that we are protected from false teaching and the division that it brings. God grant that we would continue to use His gifts for the benefit of the entire body. To Him be the glory, now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God which transcends all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.